And at first he was like, there has to be another way to solve your need. Go out and do more need finding and figure out if this is really what you have to do because this is gonna be very difficult. And we came back like two or three weeks later and said, no, Bill, this is, this is what we have to do. We need to fix the tampon because they're broken. And instead of being discouraging or instead of saying, absolutely not, you can't do that. He said, all right, guys, let's, let's start working. Let's do this. Welcome to the Founders Couch. This is a show about Stanford student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Katherine Jang. Today, we've got Amanda Calabrese, Elijah Zenger, and Greta Meyer on the couch. It's going to be an incredible show, but before we get to it, let me give you a rundown of the three folks we'll be talking to. Amanda, Eli, and Greta are all Stanford seniors. Amanda and Greta are majoring in product design, and Eli, MS&E, Management Science and Engineering. They are the founders of Tampro, a startup focused on improving the tampon. For all my female listeners out there, you've probably experienced tampon leakage before. This is one of the many issues Tampro is working to fix. Now I can't wait to dive into this and learn about how the team came to found Tampro and why they're so passionate about female hygienic health. So let's get them on the couch. Thank you so much, Amanda, Greta, and Eli for joining me on the couch today. Yeah, thanks. We're happy to be, to be here. here. Uh, I want to start off by first asking, how are you guys doing? How's week two? Um, senior spring, not as chill as expected, but we're having a lot of fun and been working a lot, which has been really exciting, but a lot of time. I've already given listeners sort of a rundown of what Tampro does. If you could explain in your own words what the company does. Yeah, so basically what we've done is a mechanical redesign of a tampon. Uh, we're trying to make tampons that do not leak before they're full and absorb more evenly so that they're more comfortable for high-performance female athletes. So I know this all started in E145, right, the tech entrepreneurship class. So what made you guys initially interested in that class at all? Wow, that's a great <laughs> question. Yeah, good question. Um, I, think for me, I think for me, and I don't know if this, like, I can speak for you guys as well. Um, it's like entrepreneurship is something that I, like, I think as a general Stanford student body is fascinating to us and we all want to do a little bit of. So like outside of generally needing to do it to graduate, which was, I think, a big one, um, <laughs> the, the actual concept of the class and the way it's taught, I think, was really helpful to us. And it was like, something that like I've wanted to do more and more of. And so that class really spoke to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I also I think neither of us needed Amanda nor I needed it to graduate. So it was just like purely interest. I had a lot of friends that had taken it, had recommended it highly so and at the beginning when you guys were doing like team formation and like ideation what made you guys set on the tampon idea yeah I think it was it's something that I've been thinking about for years now um and we really wanted to do something different for the class so a friend of mine that had taken it was like do something that's like a huge need that you're really passionate about not just kind of make an app for the sake of an app. So I think we started with that huge problem space that had a lot of rich user needs um, and then just started from there rather than coming up with the concept of an app or some other digital solution first. A tampon's not specifically technology in the way that you normally think about it. And I think that was really exciting to us as well is that, you know, we are taking a product that is not generally considered innovative or technology and we were pushing forth 
a, we were really trying to push the boundary of what we could do in the class and how we could provide innovation to a space that has had so little innovation. And Eli, I wanted to ask you this. Obviously, a tampon is like a female product. What attracted yeah, you yeah. to this project specifically? <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I have a little bit of a, like a personal story. Like one, I'm best friends with Amanda and Greta. So like part of that is just like, we feel like we function really well as a team and like love to be together. And like, that's the great start of any sort of venture. Um, and then also, so growing up, my sister actually struggled a lot like from hormonal disorders and would get her period about every 10 days. So something that was uh, very, like very visceral and very apparent in my life and something that I'd seen like the impact that it could have. And I think that uh, spoke to me in a way that other projects that I've been on haven't. And so like wanted to be with my best friends and wanted to do something that I knew would make a big difference. In the initial sort of like need finding interview stage, what were some of the biggest things you found in that process? Yeah, we found that women were really just like eager to talk about it. I think it's something that is hugely stigmatized a lot of the time. But once you ask someone, no matter how well you know them, they all have their three horror stories or they're like, oh, this thing happened. I hate this tampon because this. Um, and just, I think just kind of cracking down those walls to begin with and opening up people, letting them know that you're there to listen um, mm -hmm. and that we want to change this space. For sure. So the tampon has been around for some time now, right? Why do you think it hasn't been changed? I think we're pretty cynical in that sense. We try, we try not to be, but, you know, why would these big companies try to drive innovation for this product if women are going through eight, nine, ten of them a day? When when you read a box, it says, please change it four to six hours. Well, that's like two tampons in 12 hours or that's four tampons in a 24 hour period, you know, and people are using 10, 12 of these pro of this product. And so it's a little cynical to think that they would want tampons to leak. Um, but I also think it has to do with the fact that if a product is selling so well, why change it? I also think it's, it's kind of a higher risk for them to try and get into this space. It is, as we found, um, a class two medical device with the FDA. So it's higher risk than doing, you can do a lot of chemical innovation with a lot of other products like pads or diapers um, that you can experiment with much easier than a tampon. So at the end of this class, this tech entrepreneurship class, what made you decide, okay, this is something we want to carry on beyond just this quarter? Yeah, I think that's something that we knew pretty early on just from our mentor being like, you guys are so, so into this and I can tell you should totally take this further. Um, but it was also our final project was um, completely hypothetical, but we did have to pitch to a panel of VCs. Um, and then they we spoke to them afterwards and they're like, no, we, we were actually encouraging you and we think that this is a, a real opportunity that you guys, if you patented your ideas, um, you could really take this to, to the life. And who is your mentor, by the way? Um, this guy named Brian. Um, he works at Amazon, and but has a background in um, some other ventures. He ran a gaming company that then got acquired, and so he was just really excited to be involved in our in our project. I mean, I think from all, like honestly, it was Brian. Like, not that Brian has really any expertise in the area whatsoever. But it was Brian, <laughs> you know, love the man. But like it was Brian who from like week two or three was like, whatever you guys do, like you should do it. Like I understand that this is for a class, but like whatever you do, you guys need to be serious about being able to continue it because that's the only way that this is going to be meaningful. Um, and so like I think Brian was instrumental 
and like instilling the hope in us that we could carry, like do something that was big enough to carry on after a simple 10 week, like Stanford quarter. And like from week three, like I think the three of us knew that we were working towards like something in the future that wasn't just this dumb presentation. at the mm -hmm. I have to say it's a very different feeling when you're working for a grade in a class rather than working for something so much bigger than an A or a B or a C, whatever you're going to get at the end mm. of the quarter, quarter or some kind of professor validation. You know, I think we felt that as we did it with um, the with Engineering 145 as well as with the capstone when mm. Brad and I started working on it there. Mm -hmm. What are like the pros and cons basically of taking an entrepreneurship class versus just doing something on the side? Yeah, I think a lot of the lessons were really important to us. So we, there was a lesson on like equity split that now is actually becoming relevant. And so it's just, it's a really great to have a background of that. Um, as well as I think reading a lot of the case studies was really helpful to us. Um, and then having those assignments to kind of keep us on track. A lot of the work that we were doing was obviously outside of the assignments, but to keep you kind of like, okay, this is the pipeline. This is where we want to get, keep you focused on that was pretty important. Yeah, I think it gave us a really good foundation as well. I mean, like part of the class was like being able to build out a full business plan. And right. so if you did that and didn't like half-ass it, uh, like you, like we've used that like, yeah, pretty much continuously since when we talk to people about what we're planning to do, why we're planning to do it, how we're going to go to market. Like those are questions that all investors have. And like we were just lucky enough to have to do that research in the class, which was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of, I mean, obviously our business plan has changed, but I think it did make us think about it really early. And so then we kind of knew the landscape of what it could be. And now we have a really good, like Eli said, foundation to reference. Uh, and so I know it initially started with a, a team of six, right, in the class, or like it was larger. I just remember that. Um, when did you decide to sort of have you, just you three, rise from the ashes, <laughs> if that makes sense? I actually, it was pretty early on. I mean, this is pretty funny actually, but we like week two, we sat down and we were like, okay, who really, really, really cares about feminine hygiene and who is here because they want to learn how to build a product out. And it was kind of like, okay, three of us are here because we are really interested in entrepreneurship and want to do this hypothetically. And three of us are here because we really, really care about this. And so that moving forward was just kind of what drove the rest of the class. It was like, okay, well, Greta and I are going to spend time as product designers doing, uh, we're going to get groups of women together and we're going to interview them and we're going to get all this great need finding done. And you guys can go do the business model. And it actually worked really well to have a big team because we were able to kind of divide and conquer. Oh, for sure. Uh, and now it's the three of you guys, right? So how do you guys delegate roles? Yeah, that's something we've been working on as the work has been building up. So I think at first we were kind of just all doing it, like everyone's talking about everything, every decision. And now it's kind of like, okay, Amanda's head of the marketing, like any sort of aspect in that sense. Eli, we call him the COO, so operations. <laughs> um, but I think we've been really trying to delegate, like Eli's taken a lot of the FDA research that we've had to do, um, taken that. And yeah, I think that's something that we're working on continuously, but mm -hmm. trying to play to each of our expertise and also go for efficiency and then trust each other and say, we don't all have to be at that meeting. You can, you can take that one, report mm -hmm. back. And I mean, like Greta didn't say, but she's our CEO. She pretty much guides us and tells us what to do and sends Amanda and I our little action items at the end of the night, <laughs> which is great. So she's, she's very good at her role. 
Thanks. Good to hear. <laughs> uh, so I want to actually touch on the IRB FDA um, approval thing. So what are some of the findings that you found about that, th that process? Yeah, I think the most surprising thing, obviously we, we knew early on that it's a class two medical device. And so there's a, a large timeline that even hangs up a lot of huge companies. So we were pretty, we knew that that was coming. Um, but I think the surprising thing to us was that we couldn't even do any sales or marketing tests. So any kind of promise of a product or saying, how much did you pay for this? Which just really made our lives harder in terms of figuring out price sensitivity. A lot of those experiments that we've wanted to run. Um, so yeah, I think those things have been surprising, but we are actually decided recently that we're going to do a launch in the United Kingdom. So, and there it's not a medical device. So that's very exciting for us because there's, um, it's just like a space that we can do a lot of the marketing and sales testing, um, without having to already do FDA approval. And mm -hmm. then we can, we can go through FDA and then be confident in our decisions. And how did you find out that the UK would be a good place to do this? Yeah. So I actually met, I went to a manufacturing conference in Miami over spring break, which was not entirely glamorous. <laughs> but the I met the CEO of Calily, which is a UK, another tampon startup, and they're doing kind of like a mesh between a pad and a tampon. And I was lucky enough to speak to the CEO of that company, and he told me that that's what they did. Obviously, it was also motivated by the fact that he's from London, so it was, mm. it was an easy thing for him. But that mm -hmm. was their approach was to launch in the UK, where they didn't have to get approval, and now they have worked on getting patents and medical approval for all over the world. So that was a pretty good example for us to have. Yeah. And at this point right now, where are you guys in terms of prototyping? Yeah, so we were working on the manufacturing, Greta's doing that, because one of the hardest things about getting a tampon prototyped is that they have to have a certain amount of compression amongst the fibers. And so right now we're kind of working with soft goods, uh, prototypers and people that can fabricate things really well and trying to get that geometry locked down and get a functional prototype in the next week or so. Uh, working with design consultancies and really anyone we can talk to to say, hey, we know we can't get this level of compression without manufacturing, but what is the next best thing? And that's what we're, that's really what we're working on right now. I see. What are like the most important features in your tampon that you're going to produce that is different from current day ones? Yeah, so what we've done is right now a lot of the tampons on the market have this linear channel that goes from the top of the tampon to the bottom. And what we're finding is that a lot of the fluid is rushing from the top to the bottom, kind of like path of least resistance, right? It's, it's pretty intuitive. But when you take these channels and put them in almost a spiral helical formation, it takes almost six times longer to reach the bottom in our preliminary geometry experiments. And so that would enable the tampon to one, absorb more evenly and to really ensure women that in that four to six hour period in which they should be wearing their tampon, that it's not going to leak before it's full or close to being full. Mm. What sort of motivated you to have that idea of having that spiral shape in the first place? Yeah, I think this was, we, we think back to this moment a lot. We were all sitting in 1047 <laughs> and we were like, great place. Well, yeah, great place for brainstorming. Um, we had isolated our, all of our needs and kind of come up with our one problem statement, which was tampons are leaking before they're full. 
Um, and so we, we did follow the design thinking path pretty to a T. We were it was like a couple weeks before we had to be done. Uh, we had to kind of put together our business proposal and we were like, but we don't have a product yet. And so mm. I think that's always the panic when you go through this um, set of thinking. Um, but so we were, yeah, we were just sitting there kind of trying to come up with things. And that was just one of the things that really stuck in terms of being intuitive with the fluid dynamics, um, fluid mechanics, excuse me. Um, and then that was validated through talking to a lot of experts that we were able to talk to in the uh, in Stanford Medicine or um, other fluid mechanics professors that have been super helpful for us. Mm. What specific professors have you gotten in touch with to sort of get mentorship throughout this process? Yeah, Gerald Fuller has been, he helped us develop our test. Um, and that was something that was really important to us is to have actual, like Amanda said, we have this video um, that's really helpful for explaining our idea. And that's something, it's a super intuitive idea, but it sounds a lot more convincing when you can actually see it. Oh, for sure. And so yeah. that's something that we asked him because his response was, yeah, this is really intuitive. It's obviously going to work. And we're like, okay, it sounds a lot more convincing coming from you mm -hmm. than from me. <laughs> right. um, so how can we put that on display and say this is going to work? So he, well, he worked with us to develop those tests. Another really incredible mentor for us um, has been Bill Burnett um, from our capstone. And he has just kind of held our hands all the way through it, helped us with anything. Mm -hmm. And we're doing an independent study with him right now we're actually taking Launchpad instead of our capstone this quarter. Yeah. You can't talk about our project without mentioning Bill Burnett. I mean, he's just, he's incredible. And he was there like week five of Engineering 145 when we were, Greta and I went to Bill and said, what do you think about doing a medical device for our capstone? And at first he was like, there has to be another way to solve your need. Go out and do more need finding and figure out if this is really what you have to do because this is going to be very difficult. And we came back like two or three weeks later and said, no, Bill, this is, this is what we have to do. We need to fix the tampon because they're broken. And instead of being discouraging or instead of saying, absolutely not, you can't do that. He said, all right, guys, let's, let's start working. Let's do this. Yeah. That's awesome to hear that you've got encouragement from, you know, several Stanford professors. Uh, in terms of fundraising, where are you guys at with that? Because I know uh, from our last discussion, you said that you guys got into the StartX program, right? Yeah, so we just got into StartX for the summer, which is super exciting. Um, we also received a grant from VentureWell, um, which is a social impact kind of organization based out of Boston. Um, and they've done a lot of bio projects in the past, so that we're excited to get into touch with kind of their experience in the field as well. Um, and then we also got a got some funding from uh, it's called Startup Nation, and so we did a pitch competition at Hillel and got a little bit of funding from that too. So what? How do you guys prepare for stuff like pitch competitions? I think you'd think that we like sit in a room and we drill, 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 like go over lines and lines and lines. And I think what's the the, the most beautiful thing about our team is that we'll sit around. We'll say, all right, Greta, you got to say something around this concept. Amanda, this is, these are your three bullet points. Eli, make sure you touch on this. And that's really the preparation that we'll do for a pitch because we trust each other so much that if we give each other one or two bullet points and say, form a sentence in something that sounds really nice around this concept, mm -hmm. we know that 
the other people on our team are going to execute it to the best of their ability. And we trust that what they say is going to be pretty great. Yeah, I think that's something that we've also been really lucky to have a lot of help around. We've had friends that have done Stardust in past summers. Um, we've had just any mentor. We've talked to a lot of VCs that have been like, okay, you guys are not ready. Obviously, we're not ready to go pitch for funding at a VC right now. But they're like, okay, send us your deck, come do a mock pitch, and then we'll talk from there. So I think just being really open to that feedback as well. Obviously, it's it's taken a lot of time out of our days, like going to offices and pitching this. It's, it's exhausting, but right. it also has been incredibly rewarding and people are so supportive and helpful. What are the top two or three things you would say you've learned in this entire process of starting Tampro? Yeah, first is just kind of, being obviously proactive is kind of something you want to do all the time, but I think just sending out, not being afraid to ask for help because it is a big, a big issue that we're trying to solve and people have been more than receptive. I think Eli can tell about his, he cold emailed the head of um, obstetrics and gynecology at Stanford and got us a meeting with Dr. Blumenthal within a week and a half. Um, so obviously a lot of the cold emails that we're doing are not very fruitful because it, they are high up people, but also people are really interested in this space. So I think we've learned just just send the email, just say the ask, and don't be afraid to talk about what we're working on and the problems that are arising. And I think another really important thing is if you don't know the answer, like Greta said, like ask for help. If you don't know the answer to something, there is absolutely someone in this world that knows the answer to it. So go out, find the expert, and just pick their brain. And most often these people are more than willing to share their information. And I think another thing that both Greta and I as product designers really developed further with this project is just iteration, 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 and prototyping all the time. And just getting really scrappy, just being really, really scrappy. I mean, our first looks like prototypes. We, we didn't know how we were going to make them. We didn't have time to do it ourselves. And we said, who could we get on our side to make something that we need? And we called 30 seamstresses in the Bay Area and said, can you sew me a tampon? Can you make me a tampon? And I got 29 no's and one yes. And then we had these wow. amazing looks like prototypes that we were able to bring around and say, this is our vision. And we're so happy that you can hold it in your hand and look at it and see what we're thinking. That's awesome to hear. So now I'm going to end this conversation uh, with a fire round where I basically fire at you guys several questions I want you to answer within like 30 seconds. Uh, so first off, most memorable experience at Stanford so far? Oh my God, that's so, that's like a crazy thing to ask a senior. <laughs> <laughs> Running through four years in my head. I got one, I think, because I was thinking about this the other day. A couple juniors and seniors when I was a uh, sophomore was like, there's a super moon tonight, we gotta go. And I was like, what do you mean, where are we going? And they got all of us up in the car and drove us to Pacifica where we went in our bikinis and that's it. And just like surfed at one o'clock in the morning under the super moon. Oh and like, come on, like where would, where else would that happen? Like yeah. people at Stanford are crazy in the best way possible. Second question, favorite class at Stanford and why? I have told every friend of mine that they should take Justice with Rob Reich. It's one of my favorite classes and led me to take a lot more ethics classes. Also loved all my art studio classes. Painting one with Yvette was amazing. Closest mentor at Stanford and how you met them? 
Bill Burnett. <laughs> Bill Burnett. Yeah. <laughs> through and through. Cool. Yeah, Burnett, met him yeah. through product design. Like we said, he's the reason we're here. And yeah, we love I also have to say Bill Scott for me. He's an adjunct professor in the D school and he was the first person for me as a freshman that kind of pulled me aside and was like, look, product design is going to be really hard and I know you didn't think you were going to be a female engineer, but you need to do this. Like do this for me and do this for you because you got it. You have to do this. And that was, that was a crazy thing to hear as a freshman. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to hear that you've got, you know, someone backing you from that early on. Favorite place to do work on campus? Um, love McMurtry. Big fan of Coho. And shout I, out to Coho. I'm going to be cliche <laughs> and be like, I love sitting at Koopa. Like, yeah. <laughs> except when Which Koopa? Green or Koopa, Y2G? Koopa Green. Okay. But then you see everyone you know and you're like, wait, I was supposed to be doing work. Right, yeah. I also love living in my room. I live in a one-room triple. Okay. <laughs> it's very fun. We're, we're both in one-room triples. Oh, fun stuff. Wow. <laughs> a lot of privacy. <laughs> Favorite activity to de-stress on campus? I think walking the dish. That also sounds very cliche, but that's something if you're like, I just need to get outside. That's what we do. Um, a lot of good hikes around campus as well. If you're really stressed, just like go for a drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Around Palo Alto, right. <laughs> like in the hills. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty strict with like I always go to club running. Like shout out to club running for keeping me sane all these years. <laughs> I always go. I never miss Monday Wednesday practice. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Most impactful summer internship and why? Ooh. I'll take this one first because I never had a summer internship. Ooh. I always went home and the most impactful thing for me about going home was that I actually got to be in entrepreneurship at home. I had my own surf camp and I was running my own private swim lesson business. And I really think that set me up to be able to have the confidence to do this. Mm -hmm. I really think that did. Yeah, I think I worked for Comcast for two summers and I was on their product team working on their AI voice devices. Um, and I was a product manager intern. And those are very impactful. I think I was, the product team was, it's like 75% women, which is really, really That's rare. really empowering. Yeah, really empowering. And I think I met some of the most inspiring people, but also found people that believed in me. Um, and my first boss where I was working on the hardware devices team, not in product, um, he was, he's someone that's just been constant throughout my life as a mentor since my first internship there and then my new newer bosses Janine um, Amanda knows I'm always like oh Janine's the best and, <laughs> and just like seeing women lead in that way I think having yeah. those role models is extremely important and then like I said having people that believe in you and will give you ownership as an mm -hmm. intern mm -hmm. yeah too often we hear about kind of just feeling like a cog in the wheel but I definitely right. didn't have that What's one piece of advice you'd give for students on campus who might want to start something but don't have the courage to do so? Um, I would say just if there's something that you believe in, like that's you just kind of have to start talking to people about it. And it's not like you're going to think of something one day and then the next day like incorporate a company. It's, it takes a long time. And so I think some of those steps, you need to be a, take a little time between them. Um, but I also think that... There's, you can't just wake up and be like, I want to start a startup today. There has to be something that you care about enough to put 20 hours of your day into. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what we found is like when you kind of bridge those gaps between when you stop 
counting the hours. It's not like, oh, I, I spent 25 hours on this MEP set and I didn't like it at all. Versus if you're like, I talked to, I had 10 phone calls today about Champro. Like that doesn't feel like work anymore. And I think yeah. that's really a special feeling. So mm-hmm. I, I would say like, don't start something to start something, start something because you're really passionate about it and you literally can't do your regular homework because you're thinking about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. Passion drives everything. And people can tell if you're doing something for the sake of doing something, but people can really tell when you're doing something because you really love it and you feel so strongly about it. The, the amount of times that people have been like, hey, I, I don't really know a lot about tampons, but you guys sure do. And I can really feel how passionate you guys are about what you're working on. And I think that can lead you to so many places, just being so affirmed in what you believe in and what you want to do mm-hmm. and being mission driven as mm-hmm. well. For sure. And last question, where do you see Tampro going and what are the next steps for each of you? Yeah, I think we're, I mean, we're going to work on this over the summer and hopefully get our manufacturing and testing done in the UK. I don't know how that's really going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Making trips to the UK. Yeah, some business trips. Um, yeah, but we are hoping to take it as far as we can. I think the manufacturing and kind of getting user data, which is something we've been really struggling with, um, will be really helpful to us. And then just trying to do a product launch and see, see how it goes. Yeah, I think Greta and I wouldn't be working so hard on this if we didn't think it had massive amounts of potential. And so... We're going to push this as far as we possibly can, whether that's till the end of the summer, whether that's for the next couple of years, whether that's years beyond that. I think we're willing to take this where we need where we need it to go. That's awesome. Well, good luck to uh, to all of y'all. Um, I'm excited to see where Tampro goes. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the couch today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I hope y'all enjoyed that episode. It was great to have Amanda, Eli, and Greta on the couch. I can't wait to see where they go with Tampro. They've got an exciting mission and vision. Check them out at hellotampro.com on the web. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. If you got any feedback, suggestions, questions, or any existential thoughts, write to me at cj98 at stanford.edu. Lastly, wherever you're listening, Spotify, iTunes, etc., make sure to subscribe. Next week, we've got a great episode. We'll be talking to Christopher Liu and Jack Garland. Make sure to tune in to hear all about their journey of founding friendship. I'm Catherine Jang, and you've been listening to The Founder's Couch. See y'all next week.